Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast network, the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. This is EdUp EdTech, dedicated to interviewing leaders at the front end of technology and innovation in education, hosted by the amazing, the outstanding, the incredible Holly Owens. Now let's get to it and hear from your host, Holly Owens. Colleges and universities shouldn't have to choose between rare, credible resources and innovative technology. With Gale, you can offer both. Academic librarians across the globe partner with Gale to connect students and faculty to authoritative digital sources with built-in tools that drive effective research and learning. With Gale Primary Sources, scholars can explore full text, searchable archives, covering literary, political and social topics of the last 500 years. Combining these exclusive sources with a powerful tool like Gale Digital Scholar Lab empowers researchers to actively analyse texts and make new discoveries, push past the boundaries of traditional research, expand the possibilities of digital humanities and advance the skills of every learner with Gale. Learn how you can make knowledge more accessible across campus at gale.com, G-A-L-E.com, or by calling 1-800-877-GALE. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of Add Up Ed Tech. I am here with a great guest, and I can't wait to hear all the wonderful things that she is doing. I'm not going to share the secret yet, but we have Chelsea Averett, and she is the founder of Skip. It's a job site, remote ed tech jobs. I didn't ask you how to introduce that part, so Chelsea, I'm going to ask you to introduce that part, but I'm excited you're here, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So I share curated remote jobs, and I originally focused on ed tech jobs because there are so many fantastic ed tech companies, as you know, since you do interviews and the tools with them. But I've also expanded out to what I'm calling sort of education adjacent and mission driven companies. There are a lot of companies that are really interested in empowering youth, increasing equity in our school systems. And so I wanted to make sure that I was representing all of the great careers that educators can move into or skip into, as I like to say. And I love the name, by the way. That was really, really clever when I saw that. And I found your job site when I was helping somebody transition out of education into ed tech. So they found a job on your site. But before we get into all the things, Skip, and all the different things that you're doing out on the site and your app and all those things, I want to know about your journey. So tell me in the audience about yourself and how did you journey into this ed tech space? Yes. So I started thinking about some of these ideas way back in my first job teaching. So I just graduated from college. I was the first graduating class after September 11th. So it was a really challenging job market to move into. And I started teaching at a charter school where I had a lot of autonomy, but also not a lot of mentorship or guidance. So there were some pros and cons there. But I taught there for a couple of years, and then I decided to go to grad school. And a lot of that was because I really enjoyed research, and I was a medievalist as an undergrad, and I really wanted to do more with medieval studies. So I went and got a- This is super interesting. (laughs) (laughs) 
I went and got a PhD in medieval English literature, which is tons of fun. There are some classes that really still stick with me. But as I was going through the PhD program, I was really getting disillusioned with academia, partially just because of the adjunct nature of a lot of teaching where we don't pay people fairly, uh, becoming aware of just how poorly paid the people who supported the university were, our secretaries, administrative assistants, and everyone else who works there. I felt like there were always students in my class I was missing, and I just couldn't help them because I wasn't seeing them frequently enough, which was a change from K-12 teaching. Once I was nearing the end of the degree, I decided that I wasn't going to pursue a career as a professor. I think that was a good choice because at the time, there were about 40 jobs nationwide in medieval studies. And I checked it a year ago and there was one. So I think this was a good choice too. Yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine the competitive nature just so narrow in that field. Yeah, definitely good decision. Yes. So my husband and I moved to Maine. We live in what's called the Midcoast, Maine, and it's a small town called Rockland. And we have a lot of museums and some great food and a really engaged community. So we really love that aspect of it. But one of the challenges is that we are in a rural environment. And so that means there are not a ton of opportunities. I've been able to combine writing and teaching and tutoring and cobble together stuff for the last number of years. But one of the things that showed up in the pandemic was suddenly all of these opportunities. These jobs that sounded really cool in the past, but wanted me to move to New York, suddenly they were going remote and they were open to somebody who lived in a rural area. It really got me thinking a lot about what kinds of opportunities were available for me. And then I started talking to a bunch of other teachers. We were all kind of realizing because some of these jobs shared salaries, But not only could we do these jobs remotely, but they would pay a lot more money. And this sounds silly, but it was kind of the first time I realized that my skills were worth about twice as much as I'd been valuing them at, if not more. It was really surprising to me. And it's kind of shocking that how much we allow ourselves to be undervalued. So that's when I I started Skip because I realized that I was finding these great jobs that people wanted. I'm a connector. I love sharing things with people. And then I also realized that some of my volunteer work, I'm on the personnel board for my local city of Rockland, and we interview everyone that the city hires. So anyone from entry level, like maintenance workers, to admin assistants, all the way up to the police chief and other department heads. And I've been doing this for about eight years now. And I realized that that gives me a lot of experience reviewing resumes, reading cover letters, interviewing people. And I just kept finding myself answering people's questions about the job search. Yeah, and the same questions too, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly the same questions. And really realizing that so many people, when you go into education, just like me, I kind of thought my career was planned out and I had an expected path. When you realize that there are different opportunities out there, you're not necessarily prepared for them because you haven't been thinking about how to position yourself for them. And when you start to do that, you realize that it's a strategy and it's a way of marketing yourself. And once you learn how to do that and you learn the language, then you can do it successfully. But it's not something that comes naturally. It's a really artificial process, to be honest. Yeah, Um, yeah. And one of the things that I've learned from reviewing a lot of resumes is how frequently people really shine in an interview and they don't shine on paper. I know, right? Isn't that crazy sometimes? Like 
just from being on so many different hiring committees, especially in higher education. And I'm going to sidetrack for one moment because I totally want to talk to you about the doctorate thing on one episode and getting your doctorate and then how much they pay you to be a college professor compared to how much you pay to get a doctorate. That's coming soon episode. But it's like this person is like, oh, you know, I didn't think like this was our number three or four person, but they are so much a great fit for the position. It's shocking. Yes. I stopped ranking candidates very quickly when I first started interviewing until I actually had met them. That's a great tip. Remember that people, we're not going to rank them. We're going to judge them when we talk to them because a resume is just a flat static document. It's living for most people if they're updating it regularly. We can definitely get into some more of this. I like where you're going with this conversation, but I also want to know from this journey, if you have any favorite quotes that you want to share with the audience, anybody who's inspired you along the way that you want to shout out, let's do that. I think that one of the things we were talking before the show about LinkedIn, which is not a quote or a person, but it's really a tool. And I think that one of the things that I found on LinkedIn was just such a warm community and figuring out all of these people to follow and all of these really exciting ideas. I just love finding resources that are helpful for my audience, but I also love finding resources that make me think about teaching or education in a different way. Right now I'm reading a book I found out from LinkedIn called Free Agent Learning. It's by Julie Evans, and she's really talking about how we can honor the paths that our students take to learn outside of the classroom and how we can incorporate the excitement and creativity that they get from that. What really resonates with me is that this has always been something that I think about in everything I do is like, how do I personalize this? How do I make it more immediately relevant and not just throw content at people or share a video? And I think we'll talk more about that as we go through, because that's that's definitely influencing the products that I'm working on creating. Oh my goodness. So excited to hear more about the products you're creating. And this is another reason I love doing a show because I get to hear about it before everybody else, (laughs) because we record before it's released, obviously. But being that you've been in the classroom, you've gone through a doctoral program too. Now you're, you're curating all these jobs and you focused on ed tech at first. From your perspective, how would you personally define ed tech? I think of it mostly as a tool, that it really is this bridge that we can use to increase access, and whether that's simply access to more resources or access to additional learning content, access to more people. But also something that I get excited about with ed tech is how much it's asking us to really figure out what's happening in our students' learning experiences and how to analyze that and then how to revamp our curriculums to meet those needs. So I really see EdTech as this tool that helps us increase access to learning and really personalize learning for students and help every student achieve what they want to achieve. Yes, I love personalized learning. Adaptive learning is a huge buzzword in higher education and education. Mm-hmm. And I love that stuff that the companies that are creating, you take an assessment and you don't need to know this particular part of the content. We're not going to give it to you. You're already an expert. Let's keep going. Let's, let's think on a higher level. That is absolutely what gets me excited about education and definitely ed tech. So let's get into Skip. Let's talk all about it. Let's talk about what you're doing. For anyone who's never heard about Skip, which is very minimal at this point, because I've shared it with so many people and so have you, tell us about it. 
How does it help people and organizations and education? Give us all the deets. All right. So Skip is at the moment primarily a job board. And what I do is I post curated jobs. I, as I talked about earlier, I'm looking for particular companies. So part of the curation is really saying, is this company doing good work? Do, can I stand behind the work they're doing? The other piece of it is, is this a company that's really sort of empowering educators to be involved in the ed tech creation process? Too often we get these technology programs and a lot of these major unicorn companies and they're growing really quickly, but they're not necessarily providing a product that enhances education. So I, I really like these companies that elevate educator voices and include them and student voices as well, although that's a little harder sometimes. But the other piece of the curation is that I'm looking really explicitly at equity. I believe very strongly that people should be paid well and they should be paid fairly. As I talked about earlier, really realizing what people's skills are worth in a corporate environment and really realizing how underpaid many people are was eye-opening for me. And I think that it really points to why we need salary transparency. A lot of these states that are starting to require that we post salaries, I think it's a wonderful trend. I love that. Yes. I, I hope that trend continues. I hope so. Please. And in fact, I'm actually talking to one of my state legislators on Thursday, to see if we can get that going here in Maine, because it's it, particularly for women, it's so important for us to realize what our skills are worth. Colleges and universities no longer have to choose between rare, credible resources and innovative technology. Academic librarians across the globe partner with Gale to connect students and faculty to digital sources with built-in features that drive effective research and learning. From interdisciplinary databases to interactive instruction tools, you can make knowledge more accessible across campus with Gale. Learn how at gale.com, G-A-L-E.com. When I curate jobs, I only curate jobs if they pay at least $60,000. So that means they have to share a salary, but it also means that it has to be a salary that's going to be at least equal to what the average teacher makes and hopefully much, much better because I think that 65 is really very entry-level salary for a lot of corporate jobs. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And when I post my job postings on Mondays and Fridays, they have to post a salary. I see a lot of great jobs that come out with companies, but they don't post the salary. I'm like, why is there not this transparency in what you do? If there's something internal going on where you're like, oh, we don't want to tell current employees what a new employee is making, then there's a cultural fairness equity issue there, right? That yes. needs to be talked about. So I love that this is what you're doing. Indeed. And so that's the main piece of it right now that's public. What I'm also working on is creating product to help educators transition more competitively. At the beginning of the year, the first two quarters, I ran some quarterly application cohorts. And these were basically Facebook groups on steroids where we got together I shared content, I answered questions, we workshopped materials. I had about 100 educators I was working with. I enjoyed it, but I felt like it wasn't personalized enough. It was really not targeting where people were, and they were all in different places. So I took off the summer from that and started really thinking, what's the technology that could help me tailor things to where people are? 
how can we reach more people at a more accessible rate? Of oh course, my gosh, I'm getting, you, you oh, should go. see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking lots of notes and I am so excited because I knew we met for a reason. I knew I found you because this is exactly what we need. This is exactly what transitioning teachers need. Okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that was wonderful. You couldn't have said it, or I couldn't have said it better. You did say it much better. So yeah, so that's what I'm really thinking about. And then the other piece I would like to do long-term with Skip in in the startup field, sometimes long-term is shorter term and sometimes it's longer term than you realize. So I'm being very vague in general there, but I'd like to really improve the process of finding jobs. Right now really is a pain, even on a curated job site like mine, you know, there's only a certain number of jobs and you have to go through all of the jobs I post to find the right one. And I think there's an opportunity here to really help educators and companies meet each other. And so I'm, I'm really thinking about ways to um, match companies. As part of that, also help teachers. A lot of times I see teachers are leaving out really important things in their experience that are relevant in other jobs. So really making sure that teachers are positioning themselves competitively to those companies. That's my other piece that I'm going to be working on is matching. I like that so much. Just you posting a site that has the opportunity for people to go out and search by types, by audience, you know, like if I'm looking for instructional design jobs or if the company, they want to post something out with you. It's so good. I, I don't know how to explain how it feels to find a site like this of somebody who's been working in education for so long, jumping around to different jobs. And like you're saying, the hiring process is such a pain. And not only that, the whole synergy and cohesive nature of from interview to how many different rounds. I think the most rounds I've ever done for an interview is probably five or six, which Ugh. is too much. Yes. <laughs> to jump through too many hoops to get a job that I know that I'm highly capable of, of doing. And then the onboarding process, figuring that out. Some of these things are so segregated and they're not connected and they, they need help. They need you, Chelsea. They need you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. That would be really interesting because the onboarding process, like the hiring piece is something I'm familiar with because I interview people on a regular basis. Uh, Sometimes I feel like I interview people every day, but the onboarding, that would be a lot of fun. I would definitely need to pull on partners for that. So we should stay in touch. Yes, we we will stay in touch because I'm a huge proponent of onboarding and making it seamless for the person coming on and making them feel welcome. Mm -hmm. And like they feel confident in knowing that they picked an organization that really has their stuff together and they're really going to thrive. That's what you want to feel after onboarding. But again, we have two other topics now. We have two <laughs> other episodes that we're just going to have to record. But I want to ask you as far as what you have coming up on the roadmap. You've discussed a little bit about that, but can you give us any more details? You know, what are some of your goals for the upcoming year? Yes. So what I'm doing right now is doing a pre-beta test for my coaching app, and I'm developing curriculum and meeting with educators one-on-one to really make sure that I'm identifying their needs and creating content that helps them. And I'm also really using this to metrics and bullet points are some of the hardest things to get right in resumes. So I'm really spending a lot of time trying to think about how do we get the bullet points and the metrics that are going to effectively convey people's experience and not just sound boilerplate uh, the way the job descriptions are? So those are the things that I'm really trying to refine right now. And once I feel comfortable with that, I'm going to launch my beta app. So that's definitely going to be 
in the next couple of months. My goal is actually right after Christmas, because I know a lot of teachers are going to be applying for jobs then. So that's my goal. My target date is to have a beta version. And the beta version, I'm still going to be doing a lot of support for teachers, because I think that my goal is to sort of have 80% of the content sort of do it yourself, pick and choose, like choose your own adventure for job searching. So you can say, hey, I already know this. I'm really comfortable with this. But oh, yes, I need to really work on my professional summary. And you can jump to that and get some targeted advice. My goal is to have about 80% of that you can do yourself. And then whenever you have questions, I can use those questions to keep developing content, but also help you immediately right now. So that's That's my goal. That's obviously going to transition and evolve so well over time. Yes. With all the feedback. At some point, I really would love to incorporate AI too, because can you imagine an AI AI interview tool that works for transitioning teachers? Because, you know, when you transition careers, a lot of this automated stuff just doesn't recognize that very effectively. And so I, I think that there's a lot of ways that this can grow and really be very uh, effective, but also be affordable. Because that's really a goal is that educators don't have a whole lot of money because we're not paying them well as a society. Nope, definitely and not. <laughs> so I'd rather not continue that exploitation. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> I think I started in full transparency when I started teaching I was in Maryland, so it's one of the top five states for education, public education. And I started out making like 40,000. That's yeah. really low. I made that when you added in my summer job. Uh, yeah, I had to do, yeah, extra pay, extra duties. Oh, my goodness. Another episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. Definitely yes. another episode. We could talk about so many different things, but we have to wrap up this particular episode. Sorry, audience. I know you want to hear more from Chelsea. We'll definitely have her back on. So I have a final two questions for you. Is there anything that we missed that you want to share with the audience about Skip? And I also want to know from your perspective and all the research and the focus groups and things that you've been doing, what does the future of ed tech look like? Maybe the job market. Give us some tips. Put on your fortune teller's hat and tell us all about the future. All right. So one of the things that I've noticed when I look at jobs is a lot of them will say something like only hiring in the following states. And if you actually look at those states, it's about 22 or 26 states nationwide that have what are called reciprocity agreements with each other that basically say, if you work in a different state, we won't tax you twice and a few other things, but that's kind of the big one. So one of the things that I think it's important for people to think about is if you live in one of those states without those reciprocity agreements, talk to your state legislators about changing that because one of the ways that we can expand remote work is to make sure that people can work in any state remotely. And Maine, my state, we're one of those states that if there's a list, we're usually not on the list. So it's something that I feel very strongly about. The future of ed tech, I think I'll start with one of the challenges and then maybe move to an opportunity. Um, That sounds great. So ed tech was growing before the pandemic. There are some really great projections. And I think that's good from a job seekers perspective, because that means that you can continue to have more opportunities and not just move into this career, but move up in the career. Because if you're growing, you're adding management positions and a lot of other positions that allow for career growth. So I think that's a good thing. But the pandemic really put that on acceleration in ways that I think may also lead to some instability. So there's a lot of federal money going around right now. 
a lot of the instructional coaching positions that you're seeing pop up are really fueled by the ESSER money. And so that's one concern I have. Is this something that districts are going to be able to maintain? And if not, what does that mean for these positions? I think we've got a couple of years before you have to figure that out. And there's also a lot of the federal funding that hasn't been spent. So I think the good news is that while we're seeing a lot of adoption of ed tech from the pandemic, some of that's probably from the regular budgets as well. It's an open question I have. If you're moving into ed tech, keep that resume updated. Make sure you're gaining new skills and really preparing yourself in case there are layoffs. Because anytime you see all this massive growth, there's also going to at some point be sort of an evening out. That's great advice. I, I want to just point that out. That's really good advice because you you get excited and invigorated by the changes and the growth, but there's also not everything stays that way. You have to assimilate to change. And I love how you said, keep your resume updated. Absolutely. Keep your resume updated, people. But the good news is that there was a really strong trend line pre-pandemic. I don't see people going back. So many of us really like what happens in a remote world. And it's good for some of our students too. So I think that it's it's a stable long-term industry. What it looks like is going to take a few years to shake out. Yeah, how it's going to ebb and flow. I'm so excited to be the old person in the room, honestly, and <laughs> watch how these younger generations, they just change the world. I have a younger sister and I talk about her quite often on the show. She's 13 and she comes home and she's like, I'm using this said to tech tool. Do you know this one? I'm like, yes, yes. And if I don't know it, I'm like, I'm going to research it right now because I need to know what this is. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens there, especially since millennials are dominating the workforce and then we got Gen Z and then Gen Alpha right behind it. It's going to be interesting. It is. And I really love how that generation is able to say, this is what I need and expect that their needs will be taken seriously and respected. And I think that's going to be good for all of us. Yes. Well, Chelsea, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and telling us all the things about Skip, talking about your story and telling us what the future is going to be so we can breathe a little bit easier. So thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your knowledge and expertise. You're welcome. I very much enjoyed it. And I look forward to our follow-up conversation. Oh, there's definitely going to be a lot of follow-up here because we definitely have some synergy and we definitely have a lot of topics we need to cover. So there will be follow-up. Thank you. So thank you. You've been listening to another episode of Ed Up Ed Tech with your host, Holly Owens. You can follow Holly on LinkedIn. You can also visit her website at jollyholly.me to find out more about what she's up to. Please head to Apple or wherever you download your podcast content and leave us a rating, review, and please subscribe to be notified of future episodes. This has been another incredible episode of Ed Up Ed Tech with your host, Holly Owens.